WMNF has been your community radio station for 43 years, and we're celebrating. Come to our birthday bash at the Palladium in downtown St. Pete on September 10th with special guests, the Bright Light Social Hour. door-to-door and building a new radio station in 1979 to giving back to our community with the music and news you won't hear anywhere else in 2022. Don't miss out on this great live show with the Bright Light Social Hour, plus a silent auction and birthday cake. WMNF's 43rd Birthday Bash at the Palladium in downtown St. Pete on Saturday, September 10th. Grab your tickets now at WMNF.org.
Good morning, good morning, good morning. And welcome to another edition of the Sunday Forum here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Smith II, along with the members of the Fourth Estate crew. And I want to say welcome back to my main man, Mabili. What's up, man? Good morning. All right, brother. How you feeling, man? I'm okay. Yeah? <laughs> we are all right. Let, 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 me, let me just say, condolences. Please, please folks, uh, give your condolences to Mabili as uh, he's lost his twin brother. His twin brother. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yo, man. You know, definitely my condolences for your for your loss, brother. Um, Thank you. You know, but we're gonna cheer you up today, man. Okay, we're gonna cheer you up today, brother. <laughs> and give you get a chance to to uh, do some really good news and intelligent conversation right here on the Sunday Forum. Yeah, yeah, you're back home, man. That's right. You're back home. You're back home. So, hey, um, this has been a very eventful week. It always is an eventful week here on Sunday Forum. Yeah. You know, we've we've gone through, typically we've gone through a, a very tough, um, a tough set of circumstances throughout the week. And, and because we're not a daily show, because, pardon the pun, uh, because we're not a daily show, not the daily show, mm-hmm. but a daily show, uh, we end up, uh, having to bunch of uh, choose actually we have to choose a topic right a research topic and we try to cover as much as we possibly can on this show that's relevant to not only the community but globally as well that uh, global issues that actually pertain to or mirror some sort of issue in you know in in in, in our daily lives or in our community so today, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to talk about two things. One, we're going to talk about colonization. We're going to talk about, talk about colonization, and two, we're going to talk about <clears throat> we're going to talk about the arts in our community. Okay, um, we have uh, Miss Jeanette Bradley that will begin in begin and on um, in a little while, and um, Brother Life Malcolm will be coming on um, in the latter part of this first hour and uh but first we have the news we have the news mm-hmm. all right so uh first things first and, and this actually is what led to the issue surrounding the topic of colonization as everybody knows queen elizabeth ii has passed at the age of 96 and there are lines upon lines upon lines of people uh, that are waiting and have waited for days, not just hours, days, literally, to pass by her coffin and show their respects to, or pay their respects to the queen. Now, social media has been gone, gone crazy. Social media, and look, 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 you see this, right? Social media has gone crazy with this issue um, and first of all, let me say good morning to everybody out there in Facebook land who's watching right now. Um, social media has gone haywire, right? With the jokes about the queen has di- the queen has died, the queen has died, right? And in the one in one video I saw, uh, there's this this black girl who is crying, 
and someone says, girl, the queen has died. Who? Aretha? And well, we know Aretha's gone, right? Diana? Talking about Diana Ross. Uh, and they name all these people, but they don't name Queen Elizabeth. And then, but then when they say Queen Elizabeth, and she's like, girl, who? <laughs> That's at the end. So, you know, uh, and, and I've had several conversations throughout this week regarding her passing and uh, the information, not information, but the attitudes of those people who are who are considered to be the subjects of the crown, mm-hmm. right? The, the loyal subjects of, of the crown uh, from Jamaica, um, was it Trinidad, and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And their attitude is mixed mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, but first, before we do that, um, we got some people who are waiting to come online um, with us this morning in studio. And they are going to bring us the news of the day. Uh, they're going to bring us the news of the day here uh, on the Sunday Forum. And we're very glad to have these young people here. I can say young people now because I have this grayness in my beard. There's a lot of gray in my beard. Um People say it's distinguished. I I like to I tend to agree with them. <laughs> but hey, listen, uh, these folks are uh, coming in this morning, and they're going to discuss with us some of the things that have taken place in this week. And uh, I'm going to have them begin by by introducing themselves. Give us just a moment. We have with us this morning coming back, coming back to the studio, Lori Rodriguez. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? You all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Good, good, good. Lori was with us last week, and she brought some very good information. Um, this is uh, and so everybody knows, uh, you know, our crew, the the Fourth Estate crew, um, is made up of researchers, and these are some of the researchers that we have out there in the field with correspondents. Uh, of ours that come in and give us new information every week now, okay? So we're very glad to have that courtesy of our dear friend Alvaro, who is out there uh, coordinating these things and sending these folks in to help us to get a grip on some of the things that are happening and some and some opinions, some viewpoints on some of the things that are happening out there right now in uh, in, in Tampa Bay. So good morning, folks. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for having us. All right. All right. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Okay. So now, who wants to start? (laughs) Laura, you want to start? Sure. Since you're the veteran of the group. (laughs) Veteran is an interesting term, but sure. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Laura. Show us yours. Go ahead. All right. So this past week, like... um, and the fo- the next week as well, the Andrew Joseph III uh, trial has been going on. Mm-hmm. So um, me and some other members in my organization, as well as uh, BLM Grassroots, um, BLM uh, Restoration for uh, Lakeland, I believe, and Dream Defenders have been attending the case. And a little bit about Andrew Joseph's uh, case, just for some context here. 
Um, so Andrew Joseph III was a 14-year-old and while at the fair with his friends, him and 98 other children were taken by HCSO officers to a processing center on fairgrounds where they had their belongings temporarily confiscated, their photos taken, and bodies searched for gang tattoos. There was no formal call made to the legal guardians of the children that were being held in the processing area to be escorted, ejected, and trespassed from the fairgrounds. Andrew Joseph III tragically passed away just two hours after being ejected from the fair while he was crossing uh, the nearby interstate. I-4. Mm-hmm. I-4. They put this boy out there on I-4. Right? Just just let him go on I-4. Mm-hmm. So the family of Andrew Joseph III is about to start their second week of trial in their civil, not criminal, lawsuit. And mm-hmm. There's a distinction there, and I'll talk about that in a second under the Wrongful Death Act against HCSO. Um, This week, they were supported by impacted families, families such as Emmett Till, James Menzies, Oscar Grant, Jarvis Likes, Dorothy Dale Chambers, Daniel Knight, and Ruben DeBrose in their um, fight against uh, essentially qualified immunity, which has um, impacted their family severely because qualified immunity gives law enforcement officer, officers an extra layer of protection that regular people just don't have. Like here in Florida, we have the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights, which they en- enjoy, unlike any <laughs> anyone else in this room right now, the rights uh, to be like questioned or to be to have all, any question they're asked recorded and they get all access to the evidence, the name of the witnesses, the name of the people who are complaining um, against them before wow. they're even questioned. Wow. So things like this prevent... There's an advantage over, over the people mm-hmm. that are actually um, bringing the case forward. Right. So, so um, I'm just going to mm-hmm. help out with this. So so we have this this situation um, where this young man some time back was... And I forget how... I remember when it happened, actually. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us do. Um, and, and I know uh, uh, Andrew's father and uh, his mother, and I, my heart goes out to them because, you know, I have a son, and, I mean, I have children and grandchildren. When I think about the possibilities of what, and my son is 18, and he's headed off to college, mm-hmm. and he's deaf, and I think about all the possibilities of things that could happen to him in the hands of law enforcement because they don't understand him or don't understand why he reacts in the way that he reacts or doesn't doesn't respond to an order because he doesn't hear it mm-hmm. right in his particular case this is a this is a fully hearing uh child who is 14 years old mm-hmm. and it used to be when I was growing up our parents could drop us off right really they could drop us off at the fair or the mall or wherever it is and we were fine we come back but that's not the case anymore now that actually you have, you have people out there who are very mean. I say, I, and I'm being very nice about that when I say mean, mm-hmm. but they're very mean to our children, right? And to children of color, especially. Especially. Um, it, right along with their friends, whether it doesn't matter what, you know, what persuasion they are. Um, but this was one that was disturbing for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And one of the main reasons is that he should, the, the parents should have been called. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Their parents should have been called and given the opportunity to come by 
and come and pick them up. Now, I don't know the logistics. I don't remember all the logistics, but what I do remember uh, in all fairness, and I, I have to be fair about the, 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 the my analysis of this, um, my understanding is that in terms of coverage and security that was supposed to be there during the fair, they did not have enough. Now, that that's fair from, from two perspectives. One is that uh, is that it is it would be a reason as to why you know he was let out the way that he was let out. Number one, because it it also it also means that it probably did not have the time or did not take the time to do what needed to be done because there, there was not enough coverage, security, or whatever it is on the part of law enforcement, and there should have been when there should have been, right? So when you're planning security or something like that, you have to make certain that those things are in place. But this was one thing that happened that really uh, was so bad. To, to do tattoos, to check them for tattoos, for gang affiliation, I'm like, man, come on. Really? Are we really, really doing that? Are we really doing that? I... I I don't know what the numbers are, and, and you know, I don't think anybody here is, is aware of the numbers necessarily. But I would be interested to know how many number one white children were done like this, were treated like this. Number one. Secondly, I would like to know what it is that, and if anybody, if anybody from law enforcement wants to call in, we want this is the Sunday forum. That's what it's here for. We we want to hear that side of what we're reporting right now. We want to hear that side of what's being reported so that we can have a fair analysis and a hearty discussion about the realities of what has happened. So to my knowledge, all 99 uh, children were black. And I, I'm not a reporter Damn. or anything. I'm just a, a person who's attending. <laughs> I remember because I, I was in the Sheriff's Advisory Council at the time. Mm. And I remember the incident and I remember what happened and how it blew me back. You know, when when it when it happened, I was like, "Oh my God!" You know, what what what's what now, right? Mm -hmm. What what can you possibly say? And right? the, the reason that he was detained by police is under debate within the trial. Wow! Wow! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Um, man, that's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Still no real answers yet. Mm -hmm. No. None. Sound None. like it was a case of collective punishment with the checking of gang tattoos. Mm -hmm. right. There's a huge gang problem in Tampa Bay, which it isn't, you know. Among so, children. Right. right. <laughs> on, right. St on student day at the fair. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Now, now, you know, one of, the, one of the criticisms I would say I would give um, is that I would like to see more parents um, with their children, spending, spending that type of time with their children at the fair if they're going to be there at all. That's just for their safety. That's just a matter of their safety, right? Um, but that doesn't always happen. Children should be able to go to these types of events and feel safe, right? The unfortunate part is that there are fights and there are things that happen, right? Um, but the reaction and the response to those things on the part of law enforcement has got to be something that makes sense. Mm. Not something that that is detrimental to those children who are there at the at the, at the place. So, um, Lori, thank you very much. Mm -hmm.
All right, we appreciate the report. And next. Hi, um, I'm Carla Correa. I'm here with the St. Petersburg Tenants Union. I'm gonna give kind of a background on um, kind of what we do, what we've been working on, and then um, Jack Wallace, um, who's with me now, is gonna talk about you know what we're doing with the St. Pete budget because it's okay. about to be passed. Um, right. So and let, so let's let's switch seats here. Let's switch so seats. Right. On, we, want, we want people to see who you are, man. Alrighty. We want people to see who you are and get some exposure here. All this, cool. all this brilliance in the room. <laughs> cool. Right, we got some brilliance going on right here. Yes, we do. Some young minds, young minds. All right, let's go. Yeah. All right, yeah. So, so tell everybody your name again. Yes, um, Carla Correa. Hi, Carla. Hi. How are you? Good, good. All right, and your name, brother? Yeah, my name is uh, Jack Wallace. I'm Jack Wallace, Jack Wallace. Tenants Union. All right, folks, I don't get to see these folks until Sunday. I don't get to see them until Sunday. So these are some, these are going to be our our field um, um, correspondence on these types of cases. And I really appreciate you guys coming in and giving us this information. So go ahead, Bob. Yeah, so just for some background on us, um, we started in August of 2020, kind of in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of a, you know, course calling for police accountability, but a larger social movement for, you know, justice in general, a more equitable system. Who, who was we? Who's we? When you say we, who was who, who that in um, the organization that you were? Oh, um, the St. Petersburg Tenants Union. Got it. Sorry. Okay. All right. Sorry. Just want to make sure. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, of course, we, we, like, we all probably know everyone in our life is impacted by the housing crisis. You know, we're seeing double-digit rent increases, investors buying up all of our housing stock. That's a huge problem here in the Tampa Bay. Like in St. Pete, we saw last year a 79% increase in investor home purchases. So our housing stock is essentially being held hostage by corporations right now. So, you know, we're fighting back against the gentrification happening, the rent increases, and just the entire grip that the real estate uh, special interest real estate capital has on our political system. So, you know, we do that through three ways through education, advocacy, and direct action. So, when we say education, we mean, you know, just educating tenants on their basic rights. You know, your landlord can't enter your unit at any time, your landlord can't turn off your water and power, your landlord can't just lock you out. Uh, so, making sure people are equipped with, you know, the little rights that we do have. Um, kind of pointing out how the city isn't truly trying to solve the housing crisis. You know, they're putting all this money into housing, but um, it's going to it's going to um, developers essentially as my bad. <laughs> sorry, 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 trying to fix this out. Um, yeah, but the money that is being invested in housing is essentially that's is essentially. Um, uh, you know, our public funds being used for developers to have to make it affordable for only 15 to 30 years. So after it's affordable for 15 to 30 years, they can just make it market rate. So that's a lot of what we're seeing um, is, you know, the housing that's being, the, what the city is investing in housing is uh, kind of just a tool for enrichment for the developers. Um, so, you know, we're kind of trying to point out how the city doesn't have our best interests in mind um, because they are bought out by these special interests like the real estate, like groups like the National Association of Realtors, um, the National Realtors Associate, or the National Apartment Association. 
So, um, and to go along with that, we also, you know, try to uplift tenants' stories, show people like what's truly going on in our city. Cause you know, we don't think that it gets enough coverage, like the plight that people are facing, you know, in St. Pete and I know in Tampa as well, you know, they want to put on this, um, they want to put on a show kind of that everything is fine here, you know, that, you know, people are thriving, but the truth is, is that, you know, that's just not the case. So um, with advocacy, you know, we're pushing different policy proposals at the local level, the state level, and of course the national level. Um, but we focus in on a lot of local things with housing because a lot of the decisions that get made get made at the municipal level. A lot of the money that gets put into real estate gets done at the municipal level. So we're kind of pushing for, you know, there, of course there's a huge power imbalance between landlords and tenants. Right. We're pushing for, you know, the, the balance to be shifted to tenants, to empower tenants, to move housing away from, um, you know, a tool for speculation and profit and, you know, something that's actually actually a human right um so some of the things that we're pushing for mm. are rent control you know we've been pushing that for a while now um orange county has it on the ballot right now so they're going to be voting on that uh this november for a one-year rent freeze um the tenants right to counsel during eviction because less than two percent of tenants are representative are represented in eviction cases and over 80 percent of landlords are represented so like i said um, about the power imbalance. Um, and then, of course, the expropriation of housing because, you know, the new census data just came out like three days ago and we saw there's almost 100,000 empty homes in St. Pete, which is an insane number. Like, like and, and the Pinellas County point in time, which is the homeless count, which is a gross undercount, we know this, they count less than 5,000 homeless people in Pinellas County as a whole. So we can easily house everybody. But like I said, our housing stock is being held hostage by these corporations. The government can step in, um, use the power of eminent domain, and actually just start housing people. Um, so that's, let me, let go me, ahead, Let me, go me ahead. point this, this out. Um, I remember back in 2016, I was running for state representative, my first political race ever. And I was at uh, um, uh, the other station, WTMP, and we were, uh, the three of us, it was, I was running against Sean Shaw and Diane Hart. And the three of us were sitting there in the station. And one of the questions, we were allowed to ask each other a question. So Diane Hart asked me the question about housing, right? And how we can, what was my idea about how we can resolve that issue, right? My response was, that one of the first things we need to do is we need to acknowledge the fact that we have housing and houses that are currently abandoned. Mm -hmm. Now, for some reason, they looked at me in my, like I had a third eye in the middle of my freaking forehead. But what the very first thing you said today and the very thing that people have been arguing about this entire time is the amount of buildings and the number of houses that have yet to be identified for the purposes of what? Of housing, resolving the issue of homelessness. Mm -hmm. Homelessness falls right in line with, with falls, the bottom line, they are not exclusive. They are very much related. There is no way to resolve this without considering the number of homeless people. 
one of the things that we're looking at right now is the number of homeless people because of the skyrocketing um, the skyrocketing costs of rent, mm-hmm. right? And and what people have done with regard to the housing that they're developing currently is outside the range of people being able to pay the mortgage of a, of a house that's half a million dollars or higher in communities where traditionally the housing cost has been a max of maybe 180, maybe, maybe. And some communities have never even seen $100,000, like Sulphur Springs, right? It's been a long time, but now they're seeing it finally, and it's, and it's killing our market, and it's putting people in their cars with their children. I, 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 fail, to, I fail to understand where the focus of our governing bodies is. It, 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 it's got to be, it, it's, 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 it's on money. Yes. Right? And, and, and the country, just say, it's on money. And it is just, it's destroying the fabric of our society. It's destroying the fabric of our society. There's, I, my grandfather used to always say, there's enough money to go around for everybody. Okay? Uh, listen, we, uh, okay, everybody in this room got to make money. Everybody in this room has made money in some kind of way. Why? In order to live, to eat, whatever, to survive, whatever it is. And I don't think there's anybody in this room who would, who would, uh, who, who would say, hey, I don't want your money unless there's a cost that's involved. When I say a cost, that means you're selling out yeah. or, you're just, or it's, it's less than ethical, right? There's nobody in this room, nobody in this room who would give that up, right? It is beyond me to understand why people are so damn greedy and how our governing bodies are so detached as to not vote in St. Peter, did not vote for the rent for my caps. And I'm sitting there talking to a friend of mine who's very sick, who's very ill. Um, and he's telling me that his uh, landlord is jacking up his rent by $500. Yeah. So he's consistently paid $1,100, and that was fine for years. $1,100, that was fine with the landlord. All of a sudden, it's he's jacking up to $500. Now, I don't want to hear... Anybody call, I do, but I don't want anybody calling in here today. Please don't. I'm going to be very upset with you. I'm going to be very upset. And we're going to have ourselves a very robust discussion today. If you call in here and tell me that that's okay. That's not okay, man. Not when you know that there's a problem. Not when you know there's a problem. So why would you add to it? Right. I don't. Yeah, it seems like the councils are fearing money more than they are people. The people, because the councils and city count, the city councils in Saint Petersburg and Tampa both voted against rent stabilization, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. And that's why we have to look at who they're funded by. You know, they're 
they're beholden to their donors, which are these big industry groups, the National Association of Realtors, the National Apartment Association. These are the same people who sued to get the national eviction moratorium taken down. You know, every time there's a tenant protection brought up to city council, they fight against it. They fly people in to St. Pete, to Orlando, to Tampa to fight against the tenant protections that we're pushing. These are very powerful forces. You know, it's it's not that they don't understand the issue. It's not that they, you know, the government, they, they can clearly see that there's an issue. But, you know, that's why we like to point out that their solutions aren't actually solutions to the problem. And they're giving money to these developers to make them only, af to make, you know, housing that's only affordable for 15 to 30 years. That's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. We need permanently affordable housing. That's why we need it to be Housing needs to be in the public sector, not the private sector, because, you know, the private sector has failed to provide house to provide housing for everybody. Everybody. This is the same system that, you know, is causing children to live in their cars, families to live in their cars on the streets um, in these unsafe conditions. You know, during a pandemic, all of our pandemic protections are gone. All of our extra money from the federal government from the pandemic is gone. So we're really kind of like on our last leg right now, which is why, you know, we also engage in direct action with tenants, you know, if, you know, building power with tenants directly um, to support, you know, so we can support each other in times of need. For example, if, you know, folks are getting harassed by their landlord, they're getting an astronomical rent increase. If landlords are doing something illegal, you know, if they want to start organizing their building, we want to support and empower tenants to be, to, to start fighting back, you know, because landlords do illegal things all the time. For example, um, you know, one thing that happened in May, there was an illegal eviction. The sheriff came and it was completely wrong. Um, it was actually a foreclosure and the landlord was getting foreclosed on. And then the tenants inside, the police were trying to evict the tenants inside, even though it was totally illegal. And by, by you know, according to Florida law, they had 90 days to um, to still, they still had 90 days. And then the sheriff still tried to enforce that eviction. So we're seeing illegal behavior on the landlord's side, on wow. the sheriff's side. Um, so that's why we as tenants need to stand up and fight together, you know. and. Speaking of the police, you know, we're looking at the police budget for the um, fiscal year 2023 in St. Pete. And of course, they're, you know, inflating the police budget even more, putting no money into housing, no money into all of our other social services. If you want to talk about that a little more. Yeah, yeah. Or should we should we switch now? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. Yeah. You, you know, while, while they're switching up, let me, Mobili, I'm going to tell you something, man. This is the part where, where when we talk about solutions, right? One of the solutions that occurs to me and has occurred to me for quite some time is what it would take to create a cooperative movement where, um, where the people begin to pool money to purchase buildings. All right, because landlords have too much power. They always had too much yeah, power man. in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, there have to be some some rules that are put to, that, that are established for that purpose in order to be able to sustain something like that um, amongst the the cooperative, right? But this, we can't go on like this. We cannot go on like this. And there has to be some sort of policy that is made amongst the people uh, that is that is healthy with regard to finances that are pooled in, into a cooperative in order to be able to identify buildings, houses, and so forth that are that can be purchased. 
and put into uh, this this whole thing. It 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 almost justifies. You can call me whatever you want to call me, socialist, whatever the hell. I don't care. But the bottom line is this. But <laughs> they will. Yeah. They will. They're gonna call you a socialist for that. That's okay. All right, whatever. Uh, the reality of it is this. When we look globally, and this is the one of the reasons why we talk about this type of stuff, folks. So when, when you know, when fun drive comes, just keep that in mind. When, we, when fun drives comes, right in the next two weeks, um, we look at countries that nationalize land, right? Presidents that nationalize land. Now, some some presidents have nationalized land for the absolute wrong reasons, right? But then you have some who did it like Hugo Chavez, who nationalized land, um, properties, oil, um, and everything else uh, for the purposes of people, the people having control and the people having access. Because before, it was the wealthy, the the wealthier uh, classes that had access to these things, not the black and indigenous people of the country, right? And so now... We're looking at, at a situation in our own country, in our own backyard, where you know there's a possibility for the city council, the county commission, to do the right thing by the people, and they're not doing it. They're not doing it, and and, and they're so detached. They're so detached; it's not even funny. You know, and I say that very generically because there are those who are who actually are doing something, but I say it very generically. Unfortunately, um, because that's that's just how it goes. You got to be grouped in with them right now. But we know who you are. We know who you are. So you know you you know you you know who you are. You good. But the shoe fits. You know what I always say. The shoe fits, man. That's where it is. So please go ahead, brother. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, like, and uh, I would say, like, I am a socialist, right? And this is something that, as socialists, we believe, right, that that housing is a human right. Um, and, and like you said, you mentioned Venezuela, right? They, they, they did nationalize a lot of their, their key industries, right? And sort of, because uh, they want to provide uh, public goods to the people, right? They, they want to make sure that um, things like housing is guaranteed, things like uh, medical care is guaranteed. Access. Yeah, access. I, I mean, you know, it's not, uh, they're, they're not promising, you know, the, the, the whole world to them. They're just saying, like, you'll, you'll be able to get to a doctor. You'll be able to get your medication if you need it, right? Um, and, you know, it, it's, it should be the same thing that we have here in the United States. Like, uh, housing right now, like, like Carla was talking about earlier, is a, is, a, is a method of speculation. It's a method of profit. Um, and just sort of like you were talking about before, like these city council, city council people, right, uh, in any other country, right, in a different country, in an enemy country of the United States, the, those donations and, and uh, said political donations. You know, yeah. Yeah, and, these, and these are enemy countries, right? <laughs> you know, like uh, the, the, the U.S. brands <laughs> some countries okay. that way, right? You know, and, and uh, in, in those sorts of countries, those donations would be considered bribes, you know, and that's something that I, that I point out a lot of times when I talk about this sort of stuff is, you know, when... When candidates receive five thousand dollars from the the development industry, it's like you know, well, they're doing it for a reason, right? You know, they they're um, they're they they want a return on investment, um, mm-hmm. certainly, and so you know, they 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 want them to uh, sort of vote in a certain way, um, and you know, we've had the we've had that pro- that problem in St. Petersburg, right? These um, sort of city council people that aren't voting for the people, right? You're not really representing the people; they're representing their wealthy donors and um, sort of the business class of St. Petersburg. Um, that's sort of reflected in in the budget, right? Uh, Carla was speaking about earlier, uh, 133 million dollars uh, for the St. Petersburg Police Department, um, the same police department that brutalizes and kills and evicts, um, you know, especially uh, in the black community in Southside. 
um, you know, that's 40% of the entire city budget. Um, just for reference, right, uh, 9000 or excuse me, $9 million is how much goes to community and uh, housing development. Uh, $9 million goes to all of the libraries that the St. Petersburg uh, City administers. Uh, and $2.5 million for veteran, homeless, and social services. How much? Uh, $2.5 million for the veteran, homeless, and social services. $2 million? Yes, $2.5 million. Um, so that's it? <laughs> that's f- uh, the, 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 the police budget is 54 <laughs> times um, that number, that $2.5 million. Um, and so, you know, you can see the you can see the priorities of the the St. Petersburg City Council and, and the mayor's office uh, by what they spend their money on at the end of the day, right? You can see um, sort of what they prioritize, and what they're prioritizing is um, basically a, a group of armed people that has uh, historically uh, been oppressing the the poor and the working class and and the people of color, especially the black community in Southside and St. Petersburg. You know, what we're asking with the St. Petersburg tenancy is like, hey, like. You know, they're, they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, we should be getting money for the people, right? You know, I don't think any... I went to those community conversations that Mayor Welch had um, uh, around the budget, right? Sort of hosting these big uh, meetings where the public is supposed to come in and give their, um, you know, their 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 input, right, to what they think uh, should be the priorities of the budget. People weren't asking for 40% of the budget to go to the police department. That was nobody's asking for that. The only people who are asking that is the you know the cops themselves and and the people who think the cops are doing a good job, which I have a lot of things to say about them that I don't think I should say on the radio. But you know it's um, it's 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 really disgusting to see the priorities of the the St. Petersburg um, City Council. And you know they they could be funding so many so many good things, right? Like like Carla mentioned earlier, um, a guaranteed right to counsel so that people. Uh, who who are facing eviction cases have that um, legal representation that most of the time they don't. Um, you know, the city needs to be um, taking some of that money that they're giving to the police and using it to expropriate housing, right? To, to, to buy that housing from either derelict landlords or just landlords in general, right? And make it public. Uh, you know, you can make it based off of a person's income and just operate it not for profit. You know, make make evictions illegal in this in this public housing, right? Um, you know, it, 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 if they want to really address the problem of homelessness and, and and the problem of skyrocketing rents, you know, there's hundreds of things they could do. It's whether they have the political will to do it. Um, and you know, that's why the St. Petersburg Tenants Union I think is so important because we're we're trying to organize tenants to get that political will to to f- sort of force their hand, right? Because uh, they're certainly not going to do it on their own when so much of their momentum is, uh, you know, on the side of the developers. Uh, you know, they could be doing things like establishing an uh, office of tenant advocacy, right? Um, a landlord database, putting more money into the call program, uh, which is, you know, where they uh, uh, send social workers to certain calls instead of the police, you know, because we right. certainly don't need uh, people with guns going to every single situation. I would say probably not many, but... Uh, you know, they could be spending it on uh, public transit, right? You know, ex- expanding the uh, uh, PSTA, right? And making it actually um, a good method of transportation for people around St. Petersburg. Uh, you know, they, they need to be eliminating food deserts, right? You know, we see in Southside, uh, we see at the Tangerine Plaza, right? Um, you know, there's there's no places for people to go and get like healthy food it just, or just fresh food, fresh, you know, vegetables or fruit or just, you know, not like frozen things that are just straight from the freezer, um, you know, there's there's so many things that the St. Petersburg City Council could be doing, and right now they basically, um, you know, preferably or proverb, they gave us basically the finger. <laughs> basically, yeah. Basically. yeah. I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking. For months, I've been waiting to see the response for from our mayors 
with regard to this. What, what I can say is this. Um, I've been, uh, there, there's a great deal of hope, and there's an obvious reason as to why there's a great deal of hope with regard to this, no matter what side of the bay we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because he's a black man, and because he's the mayor of St. Pete, and because he's a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, the mayor, Ken Walsh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with Ken Welch, I'm waiting, I was waiting for a response. And um, so Brother Welch is, is coming up with some, with some things, right? Um, what I'm seeing here is um, he detailed how, according to Creative Lothian, um, Mayor Welch has detailed how St. Petersburg will distribute $34 million to ARPA funds, right? Um, ARPA funds. The breakdown comes after this March meeting um, with the people that was this past, that was earlier this year, right? With the People's Council of St. Pete, which was just, which just wrapped its latest strategy meeting on Wednesday. Now, since, that, that, that was then. It was back, in, back then. Now, since then, I've not heard anything about what any responses have been, except for one thing and one thing only, and that was the vote took place the city council since then and i've not heard anything from him regarding that that whole thing now i might have missed it i might have completely missed it um but i would love i would love to get the mayor on this show just so we can talk about his programs and we can talk about this particular thing right here and and what his plans are to in response to what the city council did i understand the mayor can act and has acted separately from city council. So I'm giving him, we, we the forum, are giving him um, that opportunity, right? Uh, so Mayor Welsh, please give us a call. Uh, let us know uh, when you can come on to the Sunday forum and we can have this discussion. Because we really, really want to know about these programs. There are people that are in some dire straits and we want to we wanna help to resolve those things and get that information out. Um, we want to have positive responses. We want to have positive outcome. And I think that that's the best way to do it. And if we can use this show in order to help to cultivate that whole thing, um, I think that's that's a good thing to start with. Now, my next my next thing would be to extend the same thing, the same courtesy to our own mayor right here on this side of the bay, uh, Jane Castor. Um, we want to hear why it is. It, well, not just why it is, because we know. I, I, I truly don't understand how this city council on this side of the bay, how any city council for that matter, but this particular city council would vote not to have any type of rental caps or anything like that on this side of the bay. I don't understand that at all. I really don't come comprehend that on either side. They sit there and listen to that lawyer that scares them about the power of money. They say you can be sued by these property owners. Big deal. I mean, like, who cares? It's not like you're going to jail because you, because you did it. You know what I'm saying? Well, who the hell cares? Man, you're going to end up, before this show is, dude, you got to hit that dump button, bro. I'm telling you, I did the dump button. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, some F-bombs are about to start flying. Bro. Uh-oh. For real. Yes. Yeah, so I was at the, uh, or I watched the city council meeting that um, changed the, the wording of the rent control cap. Mm-hmm. Um, they came in, handed a piece of paper to all the city council meetings, said, this is the new wording for the rent control, vote on it right now. And that wording completely changed like the, what was happening, the um, 5% cap that they had. 
Um, and the city council was saying, oh, this is going to change us into a small claims court. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do my job. I don't want to do this, so I'm going to yeah. say no on that. So, so because the lawyers were like, this is probably going to cut, this is like more substantial to hold up to the law, um, they like kind of ran back with their tails between their legs. And like after they declared a housing emergency. And, and you, you know what the funny thing is, is the, the this legal representation, the same thing happened in St. Petersburg. This uh, this legal representation serves at the at the behest of the mayor, right? So so Jane Castor and uh, Mayor Welch, you know, so you, you can sort of see the this uh, what the legal opinion is. Is I would say probably the 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 sort of you can see how the the, the mayor's office actually feels about uh, you know whatever they're sort of um, um, considering and, and right like. Um, was just discussed, right? You know, they they basically brought forward a um, terrible version, right? That you know uh, uh, gave these city council uh, members an excuse to to vote no on it, um, to sort of um, you know uh, give them an out almost. You know, the legal the the legal department basically says, oh, you know, like we're going to get sued, we're going to get sued. You know, it's going to be tens of millions of dollars, right? You know, like we should be doing other things with that money, things like that, right? Um, and it, it's just it's just cowardice, right? You know, it's like what we, we what, 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 if you're doing the right thing, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be afraid of the the legal ramifications of it. If you really believe that this is a housing emergency and this is something that is going to help to help people, yeah. then, then you know, like what what yeah, are we going to govern by by like, being afraid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, afraid you of doing voted, what's right? You were voted in by the people. What are, you, you get? What I'm saying? You were voted in by the people, and it's popular. Yeah. And this so is like, a popular reform. Oh, but we know where Ken Welch stands. You know, let's not obscure. He's come out against rent control multiple times, and in response to the oh. ARPA funds, the American Rescue Plan funds from the federal government, the thirty-four million dollars is actually going directly to developers. Yeah. Like I was talking about earlier, that's the housing solutions that they're pushing is lining the pockets of developers. And something else, Ken Welch, his administration is doing is um, you know further criminalizing homelessness. They're expanding the area downtown and down like the main transportation corridors of where you can't have tables out or you can't be just even on the sidewalk sitting down like just normal things like at the bus station where all these luxury apartments are going up um, because they don't want they don't want the faces of poverty. They don't want the people who represent the most poor to be out in the open where tourists can see them, um, where you know the new people coming into St. Pete can see them. They want to hide it. They want to create this facade that everything's fine here. Um, so that's you know we're not we're seeing that Ken Welch really is not on the side of renters at all. Let, let me let me let me just say this. Let me say this. I'm going to give you a historical reference. Okay that will put in perspective what you just said. Uh, over a hundred years ago, um, at the end of slavery in Latin America, there was this thing called institutionalized whitening that was implemented in Latin America. And the reason it was, it was implemented was because of a number of reasons. Number one was to eliminate the site of slavery mm -hmm. mm. to eliminate the site of slavery. That's number one. Number two was to make certain that the undesirables had been had been listen to this had been mated out of existence. Mm. In other words, that you create ultimately a mulatto class 
that had been lightened or whitened through miscegenation, right? So you're eliminating that for the, for the reason that you will do that, you'll get rid of your undesirables, right, that you brought, that you created, that your, that your government and your, colonize, your colonizing government established through slavery, right? Y'all see the parallel? Mm. For the purposes of hiding the shame of what you did, mm-hmm. right? Of what the government has done now. Um, what these governments have established these this class of people, so to speak, right? That they call undesirables. And so when tourists come and they see the shame, they see the they see this, it is a, a sign of the devastation, it's a sign of the poverty, yeah. it's a sign of the problem that is that, that that exists within that city. And it's not the people who who are who are there who really need to be shamed. It's the people who are behind the desks in the buildings, in the in the in the in the um uh, behind City Hall. If I had won City Hall, if I had won, for instance, my the, the, the position at City Hall or as, as a state representative, I would have been ashamed. I'd be ashamed. No matter how much I work towards eliminating that type of thing, I'd still be ashamed because the classics, because now I'm a part of a structure now. No matter how much I fight, people would know I fight against it forever. But the issue is that I now am a part of a, of, of a structure that exists that created that class of people who are devastated because of the poverty that we created. We created it. And we keep perpetuating it consistently. Uh, one of the things we can do before we go into national